You're listening to Men With Spirit. Join us as we explore what it means to be a modern man and live a spirited life. G'day and uh, welcome to episode 40 of Men With Spirit at Radio Karam. If you're new to the show, our aim is to encourage men to get out of their heads and more into their hearts, to be more authentically connected with themselves and others, and integral to this is to live your life according to your values. My name is Peter Anthony, and I'm here with my co-host, Steve Angel. G'day, Steve, and how are you feeling today in this what shall we say, technologically challenged episode we have. Yes, we keep expanding our skill set here, don't we, Peter? Uh, <laughs> episode 40, we'll do something different, eh? Yeah, we, yeah so we've got our um, remote guest this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in the studio and our guest is in sunny Queensland. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we're looking forward to that. It's had, had a little bit of a uh, technical rehearsal. I think we're all good. And fingers crossed. If anything doesn't work, touch it's wood. probably my fault. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, the technology will get made. The technology be fine. So how how are you, other than being a little bit a little bit anxious about the all of this? Or <laughs> if you keep speaking about it, I will be. <laughs> um, no, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's interesting. You know, just keep. It's all about just pushing yourself, isn't it? Mm. Like we mm. could have sort of said, "Oh no, this is not going to work out. Let's just try something different." Um, but no, it's it's good. I think that's sort of the the whole premise of life. Really, is keep pushing yourself beyond your comfort zone and. And learn something new. So that's what we're doing today. So I'm feeling good about that. Good. What about good. yourself? How are you feeling? I'm uh, I'm uh, sort of rested and calm. I had a, a couple of days down in Gippsland, as I occasionally do, and um, that was just lovely. So I'm feeling uh, feeling good, and I'm very excited about uh, having our guest with us today. Um, interestingly, with uh, following on from Victor Purden, at the last episode we had, we had uh, we were talking about. Uh, optimism and he made some suggestions about a change to the way we greet each other mm-hmm. so one of the things we did with the men's group is we had the uh, the guys actually suggested why don't we have a bit of homework to go and try out um uh, greeting people like um what's the best things happened in your mm-hmm. day so far and uh had a range of reactions, but everyone felt it was worthwhile because it opened up that, and I'm sure Cameron will mm-hmm. uh, touch on this as well, but our guest, um, but this whole thing of engaging people, not being superficial, just about how are you, oh, not too bad sort of thing, and to open up the, uh, or give permission to have a bit of a discussion about how they're really feeling and what's going right or wrong in their life. And that's been a really uh, useful thing. And um, I think basically the guy said they'd probably continue using that form of greeting going forward, which I think was really good. Mm. Because the more authentic we can be, rather than this superficiality, how hey, you feeling? Oh, not too bad, and just moving on. It's not even usually that. Isn't it? It's usually like, how are you going? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it kind of ends with a good, bad, yeah. fine. Yeah. So usually, that was fine. a really good uh, learning coming out of Victor's session uh, a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, that was good. So feeling quite um, motivated about doing all that. Anyhow, getting on to. Uh, today's topic which is so for episode 40 our topic is you all right mate Mm. question mark yes and to explore this topic with us we've got cameron oates who is a health coach musician and founder and president of the not-for-profit organization you all right mate G'day, Cameron, and welcome to the uh, to the show. G'day, Steve. G'day, Peter, and thank you very much for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, it's um, you've got a, a lot to uh, to share with us, so we're, we're looking forward to it as well. Um, my understanding is the mission of you all right, mate, is to raise the awareness of the need for men to talk, and um, we. Uh, so we want to explore why you started you, uh, you all right, mate, and uh, just some of your background. Because for people in the local area here in Carrum, they'd be interested to know that you're actually from the area, even though you're on the Gold Coast these days. Um, you uh, went to school in the Frankston Mornington Peninsula area, so you spent most of your life in this part of the world. 
So you're a, well, you're still a bit of a local in that sense, so that's good. And um, a number of the people that are on your board are still very much in the local area. So it's um, uh, a quasi-local, uh, not-for-profit. So it's another reason it's good to have you on board. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, pretty much the majority of the board is, or all of the board is actually down in Victoria. I'm the only one that's actually jumped ship and uh, <laughs> moved up here to Gold Coast. And um, yeah, we, we're still very active down there. And I think, you know, to start, it's the whole basis of uh, your right, mate, is, you know, our slogan is just ask the question. Mm-hmm. And it's that word just right at the start is just ask the question there's there's such a i think fear sometimes of well i don't know how to have a conversation with someone or you know what if it goes if it turns sour and i can't handle the conversation or what if they're going to say this or what if they're going to say that all we need to do i think a lot of the time is allow that space for that person to actually vent and to talk about their feelings and as um, you guys mentioned right at the start, uh, you know, men connecting with their hearts and and connecting with their hearts is connecting with their emotional states. So if we can allow that space for men just to, you know, just have a chat. So it's, you're right, mate, just ask the question and then allow that space for that person. Too often, I think, and I, I know I fell prey of this, many many times is when i would reach out to a friend or a family member um work colleague and i would say you know what's what's going on i can you know see that your things are tough or you know what's what's up and soon as they would say oh look i'm going through xyz then i would i think it's just a tendency for us we just oh you're doing that oh i remember when i did that and i was going through this and i and it, the conversation just turns from us reaching out to them to oh, okay now it's i can relate to you we always want to relate to someone and you know in a conversation definitely we want to connect by relation and and say oh yeah. I, I get you i hear you i've gone through this and i've gone through that and then we've closed the door on you know that two-way conversation yeah. and, and what so, what you're doing is very much ties into the sort of thing that we're encouraging men to do which is to talk and uh, yeah. and the realization that a conversation can save a life and uh, that's uh, very much behind what um, your right mate is, is aimed to I also achieving. Think, I think too, I think really what the key point is here that Cameron's also raised is the not just talk, but listen. Mm. It's that listening yes, yes. component, isn't it? It's that give them the space to just... Because for some people, this may be the very first time they're actually expressing this outside of their, their own head. Mm. You know, they've probably been dealing with it themselves. And all of a sudden, it's like someone's asking and just in that form of expression and feeling safe to express is really the key to the first stages, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. And listening is a skill. Um, you know, too, too often we think, well, we just listen with, you know, the things connected to the side of our head and that's it. And that's only such a small part. It's listening with our eyes and, you know, we can so often tell if someone's, you know, just saying, yeah, yeah, I'm fine and shrugging it off. And it's like, well, actually your physiology and your tonality, how you're saying and, you know, what you're doing throughout the day is, you know, telling me otherwise. So it's looking with our eyes, looking with our emotional state as well. So often we we shove that aside and especially males shove that sort of intuitive kind of Mm -hmm. side that we all have. And even knowing we feel that, this person needs to talk or this person needs to you know vent or whatever it may be we ask that question and they say no i'm fine and we just sort of shrug it off and we say okay you know whatever and one of the biggest regrets of um, myself which i think i'll i'll always have this regret obviously is not pushing that envelope more with my brother Mm -hmm. um you know because I would ask those questions and it was always, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, you know, all good. And, you know, that just, uh, it, it, it's still obviously 
very much prominent in um, the way I talk to people now and I listen more with my emotional state and with my eyes. Cameron, can we? Um, you've raised your brother and I think it's a very important part of the story. Um, we were introduced to your right mate through DB Results and we'll come back to that later in the show. But um, when I heard your story and how you came to establish um, your right mate, it was a very personal motivation for doing it. So can you just go back and just talk about um, your family, your brother, and your um, collective response to all that and your personal response and how your all right mate came to be formed? Sure, sure. Well... To start the story, I guess um, I have my own troubles with mental health mm -hmm. and I was in construction uh, on the tools as a fridgey by trade or air conditioning technician by trade and was on the tools for around 10 years and uh, I ruptured a couple of discs in my lower back and that sent me downhill, obviously physically but massively emotionally um, as well. And Troy, my brother, actually moved in with me and he would cook, clean, you know, vacuum, wash the windows, everything he, because I was pretty much bedridden um, or not even in the bed. The bed was too soft and it knocked, knocked off my back. So I was actually laying on the floor of my house for months mm. um, and Troy would just do everything for me. So we, we were always very close and uh, then throughout that journey, I found that my only outlet was music. Uh, and I picked up a guitar. I had played a little bit of guitar, but picked up a guitar more seriously, I guess, because there's only so much TV you can actually watch and things <laughs> before you start to you know, <laughs> go downhill even further. So I thought, well, I'll sit here and play guitar. And uh, then I got well enough to sit and I got some foot pedals and so forth. And then I got well enough to actually walk around and I started just doing some small gigs, which quickly led into uh, me performing full time for three years and traveling around. And it was all through this time that um, I, I know now from doing a lot of soul searching and a lot of work on myself that I do have an addictive personality. Um, and I had struggled with that, especially through my back injury as well. I was on not only pharmaceutical um, drugs, but also other drugs just to numb both the physical pain and also, again, the psychological sort of pain and uh, drinking a little bit, probably too much as well. Mm. And uh, then in that music sort of industry, I fell into that again. And that was sort of, you know, a downward spiral for me. Uh, and on the morning of our largest um, tour, it was going to be a national tour, um, I made two phone calls to my booking agent and my manager and just said tours off and turned my phone off and went into a hole. Uh, I didn't want anything to do with music. And Troy, throughout all this, Troy would come to all my gigs in Victoria um, and, you know, just be, even if sometimes uh, I was playing around, he was in real estate and playing around his agency um, at, you know, might be a Saturday afternoon or something, he'd run in in his suit and, you know, quickly sit there for 15 minutes and then, oh, sorry, Cam, I've got to, you know, house open to go do. <laughs> so he'd quickly run out. So he was always there and always a big support of me. Um, was, he young, is he young, was he younger or older? Or? No, no, he was um, six years older mm. and it was um, six weeks actually that um, past his 40th that he took his life. And mm. that happened um, August 18th, 2018. And at that time I was living up here. I was working as a health coach um, and just a general life coach as well um, for a number of years. And again, I wasn't seeing those signs in Troy. Maybe that was because I was you know, in a different state as well. So we only had communication via the phone really, um, text messages and at Christmas and, you know, family events. But um, then leading up to, you know, those sort of days um, that happened around August 18th, I actually got a phone call from my mum saying, have, have you spoken with Troy? Um, no one can seem to get hold of him. And this was on the 16th. And I 
said, oh, you know, no, I haven't spoken to him for a couple of weeks. Um, obviously did the things that you would expect, phone calls, texts, you know, emails, spoke to a couple of his friends. And I quickly realized that, oh, this is actually something, you know, pretty um, not like Troy. And uh, I made the call at about 12 o'clock midnight, my um, wife-to-be came in the in the room and said, oh, you got to stop calling people. Um, you know, it's, it is midnight. And I said, no, nah, there's something wrong here. And again, listening to that sort of intuitive mind. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, nah, I'm jumping on the first flight in the morning. And I flew down to Melbourne the following morning and just went around literally looking for a needle in a haystack. It was, I had Troy's photo on my phone and I was just walking around all the places that I knew that, you know, he liked to go on a Friday night and, you know, Saturday mm-hmm. and Sunday and those sort of places. And um, all this time I was speaking, obviously, to his work friends and um, those sort of people as well and just getting that same response of, no, we haven't heard from him and all this sort of stuff. And then it escalated um, to the police sending out a missing persons um, and... Uh, it was on that night, um, so this is on the 17th. Again, I was just travelling around Melbourne looking for a needle in a haystack until I think it was about 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning, um, which we called it quits, and my parents came and picked me up and um, took me back down to their place in Mornington. And I woke up at about 6 a.m. to a phone call um, from the police, and they said, look, we've found your brother's car. Um, it's at One Tree Hill in Ferntree Gully, the, the Thousand Steps. And I quickly rang my other brother, Brendan, and said, well, we've found Troy's car. We're going up to One Tree Hill. So Brendan came around, grabbed me, and we drove straight up there. And the police said, look, when you get there, there will be a bit of commotion. There'll be a few cop cars just a, a heads up. And we um, pulled up to the Thousand Steps, and there was – no one there or it was just the general public and you know pikers and those sort of things and we thought well this is weird maybe we've maybe they've found Troy's car and they've taken it and you know things are things are it and it, um it was at that time my dad actually rang and said oh I think there's another car park at the top of the thousand steps so we said okay cool we jumped in the car went straight up and that's when uh, we saw the commotion I guess um and uh my brother was pulling up i just jumped out of the car and ran across um obviously the police had their you know their their tape up and things to say no one coming in this area um i ran straight through that and they quickly came over and as soon as i said my name uh there was five police standing there and all of them bar one just um you know, put their head to the ground and, uh, you know, shaking their head. And it was at that moment that obviously I knew what had happened. Uh, And then it was uh, the rest of the day was pretty much just a blur. You know, family came up and uh, my brother and I went down to see Troy and which the police were nice enough to allow us to actually sit with Troy for quite a while and just, you know, be in that space. Um, And, you know, then the weeks that uh, stemmed after it is, you know, obviously all the planning of the funeral and so forth, which, um, you know, one of the songs coming up as well, we played at Troy's funeral. (coughs) Excuse me. And it was at the funeral that um, we had to hire out four usually funeral place that we had it um they just have one funeral per room we had to hire out four of these rooms and they were all full and there was still another 100 or 200 people outside of these rooms as well and it was um at the funeral that i said when i did my um you know thank you to everyone that you know this is proof that you know troy obviously touched a a lot of people and i think it's in that that mental headspace where 
you know, you can feel alone, you can feel no one cares, um, you know, life will be better off without me, all those sort of thoughts, which I know I have with my back injury as well, and I'm sure, obviously, um, Troy just followed through on that, and, you know, it's, it's in those times when you see literally hundreds of people, um, I think it was it was something like eight or nine hundred people there um and it was such an eye-opening and obviously you know sort of emotional scene to see all these people just there for troy and if only he knew that you know even quarter of those people would have jumped out and had these sort of conversations and said look there's there's help out there there is um not saying we didn't try all these things we definitely did try a lot of things with troy um however obviously you know uh, the emotional state that he was going through was just unbearing so uh, then it was the months after that that um i ignorantly um thought well i will i'll i don't want troy to be another statistic and you know for this sort of story just to be unheard, I want to set up a non-for-profit. And how hard can it be <laughs> is what I actually thought to start off with. I had no idea that we had to put on you know, a, a board and um, allocate certain roles and board meetings and all this sort of thing. I've come to obviously learn along this journey, but it was out of ignorance that I thought, well, okay, I'll just register you're right, mate, and you know we can send um, spend time getting Troy's message out and uh, that happy day sort of thing. As as far as you know, you're right, mate. But um, it took us pretty much nearly twelve months to the day to actually have your right, mate, registered as a non for profit. Um, obviously, yeah, we had to put on a heap of board members and allocate those roles. So um, we are still growing um we'll never end we'll never finish growing but um i think our message is is getting out there and i i know troy's story has touched a lot of people um not only on social media sort of presence but just in talks that um we've done since then and i'd like to believe that yeah, because of troy's actions it is actually helping um helping people you know get through some of the darkest days of potentially their life. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing the story. I know it's I know it's a, not a great story to share, but um, both of us send our condolences. Mm. I know it's been a while since this has happened. Cameron, tell me, what is the biggest thing that surprised you or shocked you about the idea that Troy took his life? Um, when obviously... This is not an uncommon story when we hear people who, for the most part, appear to have everything together. And, you know, you know, he said 800 people showed up to his funeral. There's a connection that he's had with a lot of people and obviously impacted their lives. What surprised you the most and what, and what is it that you're trying to avoid by the work through You All Right, mate? I think one of the biggest things is we can tie happiness to or. or a lot of us tend to tie happiness to materialistic things. Mm. Um, and when we get those materialistic things, maybe it's not filling that cup. So Troy did have, uh, you know, he he was voted um, best agent of the year at Hawking Stewart um, a number of years in a row. Um, then he went on to Buxton and opened up his own office. Um, Buxton Real Estate had a number of staff there. So he was on paper. Troy was successful, and talking to Troy, you know, he was. Um, uh, other agencies would get him to do auctions, um, so he'd step in for other agents and do their auction. Like he was, he had a presence and an energy about him that was magnetizing. Uh, so I think on the outside in, people can look like they've got it all together. They've got you know, finance, they've got maybe the businesses going successfully, or they've got a lot of good friends around them. But 
that doesn't always stem to what that person feels when their head hits the pillow at night by themselves. Mm. So I think, um, you know, we tend to put too much emphasis on materialistic things and not actually listening to our own emotional mind. And as you guys alluded to at the start again, connecting with that heart and saying, well, what is it that really makes me happy? And we can all find so many things that can make us happy. And, you know, I, I talk about this with my clients on a daily basis that we can all find those things quite easily just by looking at our own physical body. If we break an arm, all of a sudden we're, we're going, oh, man, you know, yesterday I didn't have this broken arm and now I've got this broken arm. Like we, we don't show gratitude for the things that come to us for free. We tend to show gratitude for things that we have to work for, mm. which is the materialistic, the car, the business, the house, whatever it may be, instead of showing gratitude for the things that we all have our physical body, our five senses, and um, you know, even just to sit here and have this sort of conversation. And if we can align our emotional state with simple things like that, I think, I think, you know, the general public will have a sense of calmness about them a lot more than you know what we look at on social media and we we judge our own mental health given what we're seeing on social media. Cameron, can I just ask, um, going back to Troy, with the benefit of hindsight, what do you think could have made the different difference at that time, do you think? I think uh, for Troy to be more open and susceptible to um, allowing him to feel whatever he had to feel and expressing those emotions... Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, that's that's a big thing in today's world, especially with us guys, is, you know, this stigma around men. You know, we're, we're not supposed to cry. We're not supposed to show emotions or, you know, the, the, the vulnerable emotions anyway. And we suppress that and it ends up coming out one way or another through anger or addictions or whatever it may be. And I think, you know, if, if Troy... Um, potentially, you know, allow himself to to sit with those emotions and and then vent them as well and say, you know what, yeah, I'm I'm not doing well, I'm not doing well, and you know, be open to solutions and and you know, whatever those solutions may have been for Troy at the time, if it was therapy, if it was um, rehabilitation of some sort, those sort of things as well. Well. Um what we can do now is go to the, the song you've chosen, but what I'd like to do is after the song, we'll uh, talk about how you or Right Mate operates and what you do and what you're aiming to do and uh, how successful that's been so far and the MIOK app that you're using also. And we'll talk about that. But um, first, we'd like to play a song that you've nominated, Cameron, um, which was a song that was played at, um, at uh, Troy's funeral um, so you might like to just tell us a little bit about that and also perhaps explain why you, you, you chose not to uh, select for today's show one of, one of your own songs. <laughs> anyway, give, give us the, um, the explanation as to the music you've chosen. Um, well, this, this one, Eddie Vedder Society, it's just a song that we picked as a family um, for Troy's funeral. And I think it's a song that it's just the the energy that I feel when when listening to it. It it's definitely hits home with the way Troy was, um, and I know he liked Eddie Vedder as well, definitely. Um, and the reason why I didn't pick one of my songs is we did have a couple of my songs play at the funeral as well, but um, you know, and, and Troy did love those songs that we picked but i think you know this one society just hits home for me whenever i hear it um troy just is on the forefront of my mind great thank you well let's listen to society hey everybody this is art alex from the band everclear and it's good to be talking to you here at radio carom 
Hello and welcome back to Men With Spirit. My name is Steve Angel. I'm here with my co-host Peter Anthony. And today's guest is Cameron Oates, who's the founder and president of You All Right Made, a non-profit organization with a mission to help men start to open up more and talk with one another. Um, Cameron, before the break, we heard about the origin story of, of You All Right Mate and uh, why it came about. I wanted to ask you a question just very briefly. You mentioned earlier about pushing the envelope with someone, you know, rather than just having a very superficial conversation or just letting something difficult just to the side because you don't want to talk about it. How do you how do you encourage someone and what do you, advice do you give to someone who to push the envelope with somebody else um, without obviously becoming t- harassing at the same time? Sure. So I, I think first off, you know, as men, we tend to, you know, if, if we don't feel comfortable um, in the situation or in the environment, um, when we're, we're not going to, you know, open up totally. You know, we may say, oh, yeah, things are crap or, you know, things aren't too good, but we're not going to go down that rabbit hole if we're not feeling comfortable in our environment as well. So what we encourage is, you know, being aware when you're actually asking those questions, obviously we can't always set the scene perfectly, um, but if we are, you know, in a place with, uh, another circle of influence, more men around and, you know, there might be drinking involved or, you know, watching the game or whatever it may be and something comes up. It's it's more so about, well, making that person feel comfortable, um, building that, that trust in that person. And if it's let's step outside or let's, you know, let's tee up a coffee for the morning or whatever it may be, where where that person's actually going to allow themselves to be a little bit more vulnerable mm-hmm. um you know i know from my own personal experience i i'd never open up in some circle of influences purely because i know the conversation will just turn to you know how crap life is and i uh, just mm-hmm. come away feeling worse but if i can get one-on-one with a few good close friends that i trust um, you know, that's where those powerful conversations sort of come. And again, it's if, if we're the listener, it is just listening. And, you know, if it gets to a point where that conversation is too heavy and we can't, you know, we don't know where to go, that's where there is professional help available through Lifeline, through Beyond Blue, you know, those sort of organisations. And even offering to make the call on that person's behalf and that person can just sit there and listen in the background and and you know they can tee in at any time if they want or if not and asking those organizations as well for resources we've got um, resources which we'll talk about um, when we talk about the miok app but we've got a place where people can go and learn a little bit more about listening learn a little bit more about you know just having those general conversations, what to look for and um, things that can actually help certain tools, meditation and so forth. So t- why don't we talk about the organisation and what and how does it operate? Um, how do you communicate with these guys? Who are you essentially talking to? Um, yeah, and what hmm. kind of tools are you offering? Sure. So uh, you're right, mate. When we were setting it up, um, obviously Troy having a background in real estate, a heavy background in real estate, we did think if we go into that sort of world. But my comfort zone, I guess, and where I feel comfortable talking is in the construction industry, just from my background. And um, we all can agree that you know every industry needs a message like this. But if we had to pick one um, for our organisation, we did pick construction. And, and includes uh, tradies and that sort of thing as well, yeah? E- e- exactly, yeah, yeah. The guys that are out there, um, you know, on hammering the, the pieces. <laughs> yeah, exactly, on the tools. So um, what we do is we can go to construction sites, um, been to a couple up here in Queensland, uh, and just had those sort of conversations with the, with the entire site. Um, you know, the builders will get the entire site together and, you know, it's only a quick conversation, but it's starting that conversation. And then we offer them to go to our website 
um, where they can download a, a link to the MIOK app. And on that MIOK app, it's a totally free app that was given to us through DB results. Mm-hmm. And uh, on that app, we've got a lot of our own resources as well from just um, general life coaching sort of things of understanding listening, uh, understanding gratitude, but on on a very simplistic sort of level as well so that people can watch it and go, okay, I get it, I get it. And then if they want to learn more, obviously there's there's things that they can do to actually learn more. But also on that app, we've got um, nutrition things as well, purely because of my background um, and my partner's background. She is a registered nutritionist, so we, we look at food as well and, and suggest people start to look at their diet, be consciously aware of the food that they're actually eating because so much of our emotional state can be tied to emotional eating and you know things like alcohol intake and smoking and all those things can have a detrimental effect on our psychology as well so it's understanding those sort of principles and we also have uh, meditation practices as well for for people to follow along and just you know understand breathing techniques and just you know to slow down that busy mind so to speak so there's a lot of resources in there um, but then as part of the MIOK app, you can actually track these certain things as well. So you can track your daily meditation. Did you meditate today or what food did you eat and you know how much of and water intake and so forth. So it is a pretty large app and there is a lot of content in there and we continue to just upload content in there as well. Um, and again, yeah, it's totally free. Um, just head to youallrightmate.org. And then there's a video on there explaining exactly what to do and where to go to, to download it. And Cameron, as you know, um, we also <coughs> use MIOK. And uh, the, one yes. of the good things about the app is you can have multiple organisations uh, and access all of their resources. So that's a, a really positive thing. And yes. um, in terms of the functionality of, that, of the app and what you can do with it, um, you've touched the tip of the iceberg because there's so much more that's available there. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's really good. But overall, with um, you all right, mate, What? how would you summarise your purpose and how do you um, uh, assess the impact of what you're doing? How, and what's, what are the, how do you measure success in, in, in terms of what you're doing? Sure. One, one metric, I guess, is what we look at is uh, our social media presence. Um, along that sort of um, line but then also uh, with the MIOK app as well um, to track you know how many people are actually downloading it so our message you know is is hitting home with certain people um, how, how many are actually using it and then also things like our um, presentations that we do and you know trying to track how many people are actually coming to those presentations how many actually follow through with what we present e.g you know downloading the app um you know the days after that what sort of impact did we have with xyz's um, construction site when we left uh to track all those sort of metrics that we can actually track Mm -hmm. as far as um tracking you know the impact as as looking at what we're doing with the individuals i think that's always going to be a very very hard thing and probably nearly an impossible thing to actually track um but as long as we know that people are going to our app and watching some of those resources and we direct them to other services like lifeline and beyond blue and so forth uh, that there's direct links in in the app as well to those services i think you know, then we know that, okay, what we're doing is helping the individuals. Um, you know, what that individual chooses to do um, once they put their phone down, hopefully we've made some sort of impact with, yeah, look, breathing techniques and those sort of things. And I think the more organisations, um, like we're men with spirit, like you're right, mate, like the Black Dog and all those sort of organizations the more of us that actually have these conversations and spread it out to our networks 
um, I think the better. And, you know, hopefully then we can start to see nationally statistics starting to drop. Yeah, well, that's um, the thing I'm, I'm getting at, I suppose, is this overall, um, the outcome of all of this effort that various organisations like yours and uh, are, mm. you, are You OK and other organisations are doing. The mm-hmm. outcome we'd like all like to see is a reduction in suicides and improvement in mental health and uh, mm-hmm. that type of thing. And it's, it is difficult to um, join the dots between the work we're all doing and the outcomes we'd like to see. But the fact that we've got all these different organisations um, putting effort in, particularly into men, which have been a neglected area, I think that's a really positive thing. But overall, we all want to see a reduction in um, suicide. We want to see an improvement in the mental health of men. We want to see um, happier families and a, a better society. And that's the sort of thing that I think you'd agree that we're all trying to achieve ultimately. But it, it is hard to... Um, join the dots at times isn't it definitely definitely and i think um you know we, we had a good um night the other night it was last thursday uh there's a circus called hudson circus and they're they're on the gold coast um or i'm not sure where they originated but they're on the gold coast now for uh, the next couple of weeks and they're doing a national tour and they had their open night um dedicated to your right mate and they got me up just to speak with the the circus at um, interval and I said to um, someone after it one of our actual board members put this all together um, Bo Pearson and he said you know hope hopefully you know we, we get some good funds in and there was a large um, donation made which was amazing uh, and we ended up just talking amongst the two of us and we said look the main thing is even if we get through to one person in that audience, mm-hmm. we don't know who's out there. We don't know who's listening and you know what they're going through or you know, whatever might have happened in the weeks leading up to that night. If we can reach one person, then our job's done for the night. Mm-hmm. So I think you know having, I think it's just consistency in having these conversations. It's consistency in marketing and you know all those social media things and just consistency because we never know what someone's going through on a daily basis and we never know when it might hit um you know usually in social media people have to see a message seven to ten times before they even click on it or look at it Mm. so it's the same with mental health we have to just keep on driving these messages that it's okay for men to be vulnerable it's okay for men to talk it's okay to for men to have a cry and and just say, mate, I'm I'm doing it tough. Like I'm I'm struggling. Mm. I'm really struggling. And you know, just to allow those conversations to happen more and more and more. And I think you know, we'll start to see those statistics start to turn and and head back down. Um, Cameron, have you identified a certain demographic <coughs> within? Um uh, those who are reaching out for your services in in particular we're talking men and you're focusing on construction but is there an age group in particular that you're seeing that you are reaching more that's a very surprising or a, a good question and it's surprising because not really um the conversations that i'm having on the like out on the site i would you know, I, the short answer is no. The long answer is every, everyone from apprentices um, I've had coming up and saying, you know, they're, they're, they're struggling with whatever it may be, all the way through to the guys that are, you know, probably only got a year or two until they're retiring. Um, and from management, from the guys staying in the offices and, you know, they're on good salaries again, all the way through to the guys that are in the trenches and muddy and dusty all day. Um, so there's there's not really a, a clear demographic for us to say, and that's why we sort of, you know, focus on construction. It's the whole, the whole you know, from A to Z, um, you know, instead of just targeting a specific age. Well, in saying that, then have you found, what are they saying they're struggling with? Is there a commonality with that? I feel that uh, you know once people start to 
look at their life more objectively. Um, you know, too often or most of the time, we're just living subjectively. We're looking, you know, through our own eyes. When we actually start to more objectively view and look look outside and look at our life from, you know, a different sort of perspective, um, then things can start to highlight that, oh, yeah, no, this is actually this is a bad part of my life. It might be my marriage. It might be my job. It might be my kids. It might be whatever it is, my addiction. And starting to become, um, I suppose, they're, they're realizing that that thing might be a trigger for other states uh, that they're experiencing. So, you know, when someone is saying, I'm struggling with uh, you know, my work, they've obviously become aware that, certain triggers around their work is, is obviously setting them off um, and then, you know, opening up those sort of conversations and saying, yeah, this is this is what I'm struggling with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it really is a lot of it has to do with our relationship with other people too, doesn't it? Our, our mm-hmm. sort of identity to work. And often that feeling lost is that you're feeling this, this is not what I really want. Uh, or sometimes I don't even know how I got here. Um, and sort of allowing those external forces to be take such a a large part or play a large role in your life and determining your life rather than taking control of your own life. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a question, another question for you regarding your own journeys, which you mentioned earlier in the first half about your own sort of mental health, uh, how it was affected during your, because of your physical injury. What have you learned from that experience and coming through that experience and now becoming a coach and helping other people, having the organization, what have you taken from that experience that you can overlay on how you help people and run the organization? One of the most important things, and I do it um, in my practice uh, still to this day, is whatever anyone is going through, good, bad, whatever it may be, and they walk through my door and, you know, they, they might be seeing me for whatever it may be, anxiety or stress, is I look at the two main areas of our day that impact our emotional state the most, and that is in the morning and at night. So the first conversation we have is, what, what are you doing in the, in the morning and night? Because I know just... Um, from my own work and now working as a neurotherapist is looking at the brain state in those those morning hours and those nighttime hours and the brain is very susceptible to taking information um, and a lot of the time we wake up and we say oh man it's monday oh i can't wait till friday and we that's what we're laying into, you know, our emotional state for the rest of the day. And, you know, it, it might be I hate my job, like, I can't, I can't wait to, you know, just for this to end or whatever it may be. And then we wonder why we feel terrible throughout the day. And then at night, thank God the day's over. Oh, tomorrow it's going to be hell. I can't you know, wait till the weekend and I need a beer to you know, suppress these thoughts. So it's looking at those nighttime routines those morning routines um and just starting to become aware of our own our own subjective mind at those points and then we look at okay what do we need to do to change so um looking at practices like meditation looking at exercise looking at nutrition looking Mm -hmm. at all these other areas of our life as well so how we set up and how we end the day is really important in terms of a mental health, is what you're saying. Crucial, crucial, yeah. And we're, we're as usual, running, running out of time. Are there any final points you'd make, Cameron, in terms of uh, tips for, for blokes in particular that you'd like to share? I, I think just to leave the, leave the, um, the discussion on, it's, it's totally okay. Whatever you're feeling is okay. And, you know, there is help out there. Whether or not it's through your right mate or any other organisation, there is organisations that offer help, offer a listening ear, offer services and programs, and there there is tons and tons of resource out there. So, I think if if you or 
anyone you know, a friend or a family member or work colleague is struggling, reach out and ask that question. You're all right, mate. And then just allow that space, allow that person to say whatever they need to say. If it's good, good. If it's bad, good. And just get, get the message across that it's okay not to be okay, which is a sticker exactly. that, that I've got on my car, a, a, a number of us mm. do, but um, it's okay not to be okay and to just it's, talk to people about it and open up. Yeah, 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 yep, definitely. Right, well, um, we'd just like to say thank you, Cameron. I mean, yeah. to say it's uh, been We've a been great, great, been great really session. Conversation. And thank you so much for sharing your um, the, the personal grief you and your family have been through and um, how your right mate uh, came about. Um, I think it's um, a very powerful story. And there's a lot of people that have gone through similar um, traumatic circumstances like that, but to turn that trauma around into something that's um, a, a marvelous initiative that is touching the lives of a lot of men i think that's uh, that's great and good on you for doing it i think um, yes. uh, may you go from strength to strength and we'll yes. be um, uh, brothers in arms so to speak in our use of miok going forward with db results so um, thank you for all that um, any final comments you'd like to make steve no, uh, other than we'll put some links on our Facebook post when the sh- with, when the show is uh, the links are on the Facebook page. We'll put some links to uh, obviously yourrightmate.com, um, and also if there's anything that you want to share with our listeners and our social media viewers about some of the work that you're doing too, Cameron, we'll be more than happy to share that as well. Um, Perfect. Uh, other than that, thank you very much for giving us your time and sharing the story. Well done. Thank you. Thank you both. Really okay. appreciate it. Just before we finish up with your final um, music, uh, Cameron, just to say, look, uh, to those listening, that the information and links about our shows are available from the Radio Caram website, which is radiocaram.org, or via our Men With Spirit uh, Facebook page, which is at Men With Spirit. And you can e- also email us at connect at menwithspirit.com.au. So, Cameron, to finish up this um, fascinating session with you today, um, you've chosen another piece of music. Would you like to explain what um, the song Family by uh, Drew Holcomb and uh, The Neighbours, why this is significant to you? Sure. This one is a lot different to Eddie Vedder society. Um, This one I think is perfect to end the conversation purely because music is powerful. Um, You know, I learned that definitely with being a musician. Um, You know, music is energy. And this song really speaks volumes, I guess, for, for me in my own personal life. We turn this up. Uh, my wife-to-be and our uh, 20-month-old dance around the house to this. Um, and I'm sure once you hear it, you'll you'll tap your feet. Um, it is a totally different sort of energy. So I wanted to add this in purely because, you know, I think that's one thing that people can use as a tool for their own mental health is, is listening to I agree with the, that. the power of music. Absolutely, yes. we're on the same page Definitely. there. Thanks, mate. Really enjoyed it. And um, everyone else, until next time, be true to yourself.